Uh, and I'm excited to dive into the Word today. Uh, I've just been thinking and praying over just what God's doing. We haven't, we're usually like series people, like we do the message series, but really over the past month, we've just, I've really just been seeking the Lord every single week and just saying, God, what are you doing? We kind of had a little few week in between before we start this renovation and just letting God speak directly to his people. And, and God took me in a direction that I, I don't know that I've really honed in in a Sunday service to teach on, but I'm really excited to teach on it. Uh, this morning, because as I was just processing where we're going and kind of what's needed in the coming months and and just seasons of change, seasons of transition, um, what's really needed is strong leadership. That leadership is really needed in seasons of change. And and, and I remember as a young kid, um, uh, my dad was a a market manager for Winn-Dixie, so he was the butcher in the store. Um, But he was also a a leader in the church. And I remember sitting in the back, like in the corner as a kid in his leadership meetings, and he'd pull out these VHS tapes of this guy named John Maxwell. You guys, anybody know John Maxwell? He's like a leadership guru. Many of you have heard of him. Um, And so he'd pull out these VHS and he'd pop those in and play that to his leadership team. And then they'd have discussion around leadership. And and I feel like that was the first I, I began to think about leadership and that leadership was something you can grow in. And uh, I, I know across the room, you've probably had conversations or heard this discussed, like, are leaders born or are they developed? And I would just ask you that question right now, are leaders born or are they developed? And I just was meditating on this in this coming season. And, and, and the reality is, is that most of us don't see ourselves as leaders. Like, like I'm, I'm a good follower. You just put me here, whatever. But but I think when I begin to study the life of Jesus and what Jesus taught us, I think that Jesus is really calling all of us to lead and teach others. I mean, our whole mission statement here that we gather around, most of you would know it as the Great Commission. We call our mission statement, Matthew 19 and 20, go into all the world, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've come to teach. So Jesus' call to his disciples is not just to be disciples and followers, but to be disciple makers, to be teaching others and leading others. And so for me, as I begin to think about that, that means that really all of us are called to lead and teach others. Now, what that looks like in each one of our lives is totally different, right? Some of us will lead in, will lead in very different ways. In fact, Paul says in another part of the New Testament, you know, uh, not many of you should try to be teachers because it's hard. Like, you, there's more accountability, so you shouldn't want to, like, do what I'm doing. <laughs> He's, like, saying you should, like, really take that with a, a grain of salt. But there is this call for each one of us to lead and to teach others. And I know that that feels like a weight for some of us. We're like, no, 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 I'm, my personality is like this, or, or like, I, I'm not smart enough. But I want to turn to a text today that I think is just going to going to hopefully just guide each one of you down the road, whether you're leading your home and trying to lead your kids or, or you're leading a department at work or, or, or you lead a team at the church or, or whatever you've got going. I just want to lean in and just help you know today and affirm in you that, that you can be a great leader. And it might not look like what the person next to you, what their leadership is going to look like, or, or the person across the room, or what mine. But God's got unique leadership and opportunities for you to lead in. And, and I want to take you to, to 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. Paul is writing a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. And I want to pick up here. Um, uh, just We're going to read verses 1 through 10. I want to read them all the way through. And then we'll just spend a few minutes just talking through this today, okay? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. 
Uh, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I know all across this room, we're in many different stages and walks of life. Some of us can clearly see ourselves in a, a leadership role at some point at work, or, or whether you've always just been the, the gravitational pull that makes the decision where we go to dinner. Um, but what I really hope to take uh, us on a journey through this text is that all of us can be, and all of us are called to lead in our own way uh, and locations of where we're at. I think Paul begins this just by speaking some life into Timothy, of, to be strong, man, just to be strong. And, and I think whether you're a seasoned leader or a young leader in the room, you need to hear this today, these words that he is repenting to his spiritual son, be strong, but to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I think Paul's telling us that great leaders walk in strength and grace that comes from Christ. I think the, the challenge for many young leaders is, is, is to be strong and like to buckle up and like, you know, put your, your big boy pants on to like toughen up for whatever circumstance or whether there's opposition. Um, but it's to be strong, not in our own strength, but to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. It, it's so necessary because the reality is that we're going to face opposition. We're going to face opposition. Like you aren't a leader worth your salt if you can't lead through opposition. Like it's going to happen, whether that's opposition of, of you trying to make some changes in your department at work and encourage that and just lead the way into a, a new season or whether that's leading where we go to dinner, you know, and, and trying to make everybody happy in um, the room. Whatever it is, it's to, to, to walk in that strength. I think of Joshua, because God was, or, or, like, was speaking to him over and over again, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And I just want to underline this, to be strong and courageous in Christ Jesus, to, to, that strength comes from the Lord. Because when we begin to think about stretching out and having to lead and teach somebody else, you know what becomes, like think about this, like some of you are teachers in the room or you've taught in classrooms, um, or just think of an environment in which you did have to lead in some way, shape, or form. And, and what begins to show is we begin to think of, like, our insecurities begin to bubble up. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good at this, or I'm not doing this right, or I'm, 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 they're not going to follow me. And, and Moses had all these insecurities. We talked about that last week some. And that begins to bubble up. And Paul is familiar with that. I mean, read First Corinthians chapter 12, and he's like, you know, I, I'm begging God to take this kind of 
thorn in my flesh that I've struggled with, and whether that was a person or a, a, a moral issue that he was working through, something not salvific, but, or not uh, of salvation, but something he was trying to, to overcome, uh, we don't know. But he says, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for your weakness. And no matter what you're going through, if it's a season where um, uh, you're facing opposition or whether it's a season where you're just, you're, you're feeling those insecurities burning inside or you've got some of those failures that just seem to just keep jumping out um, out of nowhere and just reminding you of what you did, um, know that, that his grace is sufficient and we can lean in and that strength doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from the Lord. It comes from relying on Him. He goes on to say, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others in verse 2. I think when we begin to think about, okay, if we were going to pick a leader, like, all right, let's pick someone who's smart. Let's pick someone who's a good communicator. But if you read through the scriptures, Old Testament and New, God didn't pick perfect people. And he didn't pick prototypical leaders. Jesus himself came riding in on a donkey when they wanted him to be this whatever political leader. And he came riding in on a donkey. And so I think we've got to begin to frame and just know that wherever we're starting at, um, God's not looking for the smartest person. He's not even looking for the person with the most biblical knowledge. Jesus went and the first people he went to were uneducated like fishermen. Okay, not that all fishermen are uneducated, but these guys, that's what they did. They were educated in fishing. That's what they did, and they were rough around the edges. And what does Paul encourage Timothy? This is what you need to be looking for in a leader? Faithfulness. Like, find some reliable people. I mean, that's a thing. I mean, I, I talk to contractors all the time and business owners, and it's hard to find good help. It's hard to find good people that you can hire and you can rely on and trust. And what God is calling for each one of us, whether that's as a mom or as a husband or whether that's an employee or an owner of your own business, God's calling us to be faithful, to be trustworthy, like to be reliable, that people can count on you. Like think about what that does to your gospel witness, like to share that, you know, that, that Christ has done a work in your life, yet you show up to work late all the time and you call in sick all the time when you're not really sick. Like if you're really sick, call in sick, please. Um, but you're not, you know what I mean? And that becomes your, the, the, the face that they see of Christ. And, and Paul is not trying to himself carry this on. He's passing the gospel message off to others to carry on. We see Jesus doing the same thing. So really great leaders can model faithfulness and they in, empower others. Uh, we've got a saying around here that we like to share when it comes to serving in the church. And, and the saying is really, um, I guess it's more of a story than, than a saying. Um, I, I remember when um, we, Taryn and I started dating and uh, we would go down to her house down in Largo, Florida, and uh, where her parents lived, and, and we'd be there. And her mom is like Miss Southern Hospitality, and, and, and she just cooks great food. And, uh, and after dinner at my house, like everybody got up and, and like helped clean the kitchen, help, um, you know, take out the trash, and just do, everybody got up and, and, and helped. And so I, I remember the first time being over there, and I went to go help do something. I don't even remember what it was, but let's just say it was the trash, I'm like, hey, can I take this trash out? And it was, no, 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 you can't, no, 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 you don't have to do that. You're our guest, you're our guest. And so it's the first time I was over there, so I'm like, okay. 
I won't take the trash out. I'll just go sit in here and I'll just be a guest today. And then like the next time I came over and like, hey, do that again. I went, no, 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 you don't have to do that. You're our, our guest. And then after a while, um, I, I didn't ask anymore. I just went and sat down. <laughs> just went and sat down because I'd been kind of pushed out. And, and, and so many of us, sometimes we think like modeling faithfulness and reliability is not letting anybody else do anything. And like we're worried of like working ourselves out of a job. And like, what am I going to do? Like, God is, is calling us to be able to empower others, and that means bringing people along for the journey, whatever that might look like, if, if that's, you know, training someone to do the same thing you've been doing uh, at home or a guest at your house, it's empowering. It, it gives a sense of, of home and, and familiarity, and, and even if, if you're new at our church or been at our church for a long time, I'd encourage you to get plugged in. You get a sense of, of more of a, a family when you can serve and be a part, and we want to empower and release everything that God's put in you. We want to release that for the kingdom not only in this body, in this house, but at your home as well. Um, and, and I think oftentimes, though, particularly in kind of Christian American church, the pastor gets kind of raised on this platform, and we've made our platform really small, just so you can see us a little better. But he gets raised on this platform, and as I was thinking through it, like 90% of what a pastor, a shepherd of a local church is called to do every believer is called to do? Like 90% of it. And so if you've got any kind of like special thing here and you're a believer of Jesus, I just want you to know that the majority of what I'm called to do, so are you. And so for whatever you got for that, just know that like there's an, an ownership and a responsibility to carry the gospel, to feed the sheep and to care and to teach others and to train. That's there too. And whether you choose to accept that, like, do you accept this mission? I watched mission, the new Mission Impossible and it was awesome, by the way. So not a huge Tom Cruise fan, but that was a really good movie. Do you accept this mission? Like that's the mission that we've been given. It's just a matter of whether we accept the weight of that. And, and, and I think you, it's not going to be easy, but, but if you can take that on, you're going to find such joy and fulfillment in your walk with the Lord like you've never, never experienced before. And we want to help you in that. We have a, um, uh, an event once a month called LEAD. It's Leadership Empowerment and Development. And that's just an opportunity for you to grow as a leader. Like you don't have to have any title over your name. It happens right here in this room uh, at 4.30 on Sunday, uh, on the third Sunday of every month. And you're invited to that. It's an open invite. And it's, but uh, when you come, we want you to know like, and be faithful and show yourself reliable in that and find a place to serve and to grow and to use the leadership that's being put into you. And so just want to challenge you to walk in that faithfulness, to be a great leader through not only walking and modeling that faithfulness, but empowering others. Uh, he goes on to say, join me in suffering. He's really putting on the sales pitch now, right? <laughs> join me in suffering. Like he's literally in prison. Like join me. Like, no, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I mean... I don't know how he thought that would be effective, but he's saying something here uh, like a soldier, like a soldier. And he, he says that he's, um, he, he just wants to please the commanding officer. And just like a soldier, he doesn't get caught up in the civilian affairs. And there's just a number of things here that I want to speak to because great leaders see the big picture. And I think that's what Paul's saying to us here. Great leaders see the big picture. None of us want hardship, but it kind of comes with life. Um, 
Our son, he scraped his knee the other night. He was like going too fast on his scooter and really busted it. And I went up to his room and laid him down for bed. And he's still like, wimp, you know, whimpering about his scraped up knee. And um, he's like, I'm never getting on a scooter again. Why did I do that? This is because I did that. And then I had to explain to him like, no, buddy, like, like the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And I was like trying to explain that to him. And like, it's not... Like, this isn't karma for you kicking your brother in the stomach. Nope, it's not that. Um, and he, and he, those wires were just there already. And so just trying to explain that to him and, and let him know that, like, hardship comes. Like, it's, it's going to come. And that's really when leadership is tested. And, and I think for many of us, and, like, this week there was probably a hardship of some sort. Like, whether it was the day that the car wouldn't start or whether it's, whether it's a situation at work that you're having to navigate with grace and finesse. Uh, there was probably a hardship this week, and, and, and it's easy to kind of get caught in that and just see this. And it's so important to be able to zoom out and not get caught up in that, but to just know that it's part of it. And like God does something in that. I, I quoted James 1 a couple of weeks ago that let perseverance finish its work. Like we can consider trials. We consider you suffering. We can consider that it appear joy when we face those because God's doing something in that. A soldier's nothing if he's not tested. That's why they put you through such hardship in the basic training so that you'll be prepared and hardship won't be anything new for you that you can work with that environment even when it's hard. And, and I would just say this much, if you're, not in will, uh, if you're not willing to endure hardship, you'll never accomplish much for the kingdom of God. If, if you can't pull your head out of that and keep moving and just keep your eyes on the big picture, and what's the big picture? The glory of God. The glory and the goodness of God is the big picture. Our relationship and delight with Creator Almighty is the big picture. It doesn't go any further than that. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Sabbath. Some some of you will, will remember that message. And I would add this much. It's exponentially harder to endure hardship when you're tired. Exponentially harder to endure hardship when you're tired. And some of you, the, the reason your head's down in the hardship is just because you're tired and you've just been going, 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 you, and you need a break, you need a vacation, you need a day of Sabbath rest. And in that, you, you just begin to calibrate and put your trust back in Jesus Christ. And, and secondly, I, I would say that it's, it's exponentially harder to endure hardship when we're lonely. Like God has not created you to be a lone wolf. And, and you will, when you're enduring hardship, you need to lean into your relationships. And what I find most of the time is we lean away from them because we don't want anybody to know we're hurting. We don't want anybody to know that we're struggling over here. We don't want anybody to know that we messed up. And that's the last thing we need to do. We actually need to run to people who we trust, who are going to judge us, who are just going to love us through it and challenge us in it. But that's usually the last thing. It's so much harder to endure the hardship um, and most of the time, what, what do we think we need to do? I just need to work harder. What do I need to do? I just need to kind of get down here and just muscle through it. And, and we're not being strong in the grace that he's given us that's within his body. And, and, and I don't know if that's a CEO in the room or a stay-at-home mom in the room or wherever you're at. Like that's, 
That's for you, the hardship. God's doing something in that season, and it's so easy. When our head's down, you know what? We get caught up on civilian stupid stuff. We get caught up on stuff that doesn't matter. I didn't grow up in like a a super like legalistic church or anything, but I'd heard stories of these churches that when they had some remodeling or demo going on like we're doing, uh, the church would split over the color of the carpet. Has anybody ever heard about something ridiculous like that? Some of you were probably in a church that like the church split over something completely ridiculous. And I would say because there, was, there wasn't good leadership in the church. Like for the, the people were caught, getting caught up in the stupid civilian affairs, whether that's office politics or organizational stuff or gossip or vain pursuits and everybody wanting their way. It's civilian affairs. And, and really, if we're going to be great leaders in his kingdom, we've got to see the big picture. The big picture is that it's not about me. It's to honor the commanding officer that he would receive glory out of everything. That, that is the big picture. And so maybe there's some civilian affairs that you've gotten caught up in recently. Some office politics or some gossip about somebody who wasn't present when you were talking. And I just want to challenge you to repent over those things and lean into the big picture that is for the glory of God. Um, He goes on and he begins to use these metaphors. He continues with it, like he said, like a soldier. This time he says, like an athlete, and an athlete competes by the rules if he's going to win the victor's crown. Um, we, I think there's really two types of people in this world. There are natural rule keepers, and there are non-natural rule keepers. Re- rebellious types. Some of you are smiling like, that's me. Um, we've, got a co- we've got one of each of those in our house um, when it comes to our kids. I won't tell you about Taryn and I, but there's one of each of us, and you can figure out, figure out which is which. <laughs> She's the natural rule keeper. I've always been this rebellious type. If you tell me I have to do it, I'm going to not do it just because you said so. I was going to do it originally, but now that you're telling me to do it, I'm not going to do it, you know? So I just always, there's these two types. And um, I think in this, uh, we, actually, I'll tell you the story. The other day, we were playing Go Fish. I was playing Go Fish with the boys, and it's like the kind that have like actual fish on it. And you're not doing numbers, you're doing like, do you have a snapper? And Camden calls it a snapper buddy. Do you have a snapper, buddy? And Camden does not care about the rules at all. And so, like, he just, he doesn't cheat. He actually cheats for other people. So he's like, Becky, ask me for a snapper, buddy. I've got a snapper, buddy. Ask me, ask me. And so he doesn't, he doesn't care about the rules. Um, but Paul's saying here, like an athlete, like, great leaders compete by the rules. Great leaders have great integrity. Great leaders have great integrity. The people you respect, the people you look up to are people of great integrity. Um, And I think in the world we live in, in which we're, um, some of you are on social media, some of you are not, but uh, where we're kind of judged in an instant on thoughts or comments or reflections, um, and, and, and some of us, like, our, our integrity is steered by that on the opinion, the outside opinions and what other people think. But integrity is, is not driven from there. It's driven by God's word, Proverbs eleven three. The integrity of the upright guides them. It, it is a light within us. God, your, your word before our feet is guiding us. 
Um, and, and I think many times we, we, we cheat. We cheat. Like when we, we read the Bible and we're like, I don't really like that rule. Like you ever play with somebody and like they're changing the rules as they go? I think some of us read the, Bibles that, the Bible that way. Or they just kind of changing the rules. Well, I don't really like that. That doesn't really fit into this. That doesn't really fit in that. I guess it means this. And we just kind of wrap it around and, and we're not competing by the rules and we're not going to receive the victor's crown if we're kind of making up the rules as we go and making them up based off our, our personal preference. And so I would just challenge you, maybe there's an area in which you're kind of shaping your theology around what feels good and not what God's word says and, and it'll show over time. And I think we also miss out on integrity and we think that it's a destination. Like you've considered yourself at some point a person of integrity. I would assume most of you in the room consider yourself a person of integrity. But integrity is not a destination. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's not like, oh, I'm a person. No, I'm going to daily live at that. If we allow ourselves to just say that, we're really going to allow pride to, to set foot in our heart. I think I shared it a few weeks back or months back when Pastor Billy Graham passed away. And um, I was listening to a pastor talk about being in the room with Pastor Billy uh, just maybe a year, year and a half before he passed. And, and they were reflecting on this and they were blown away by his humility. And, and they just, they were encouraging him, you did it, Pastor Billy. You finished the race. You lived a life of integrity. And the humble words that came out of this incredible servant of God was simply like basically, We'll see. We'll see if I finish strong. I mean, the man's lived just such a life of integrity and leadership. Um, and here he's, he's seen himself. I'm not finished yet. Integrity is not just this destination, but it's this direction, this lifelong pursuit to honor God, to play by the rules that he's given us. And so I just want to challenge you to be great leaders of great integrity. He goes on with the metaphors and says, like a farmer, like a farmer, I was... I was born and raised in what Taryn's mom calls the strawberry patch. Plant City, Florida, that's a, it's, it's a farming town. Now they do blueberries. Polk County right next door does all these oranges. So I grew up near farmers, but we, we lived um, in the city. I was a city slicker with all these rednecks. And, uh, and so, uh, so, but I, I learned that work ethic of a farmer, even being a city slicker like I am. I learned that work ethic that came along, and, and I remember going to my friend's house, who they were strawberry farmers, and, and we'd ride the four-wheelers through the strawberry um, patch, and that was pretty cool. But I remember, like, they would always have these fresh berries when they were in season, and they would get, what the scripture says is, uh, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And I began to think about this. What is God saying to us in this? And I really believe what God's saying is, is great leaders are trained in the field of hard work. Great leaders are trained in the field of hard work. That God does something when you stretch yourself, when you are investing yourself in hard work with uh, your home and um, in your business and in your ministry team, when you're stretching yourself and working hard at that, God is shaping you and you're receiving a lot more in that than you realize. You, you've really gotten a college education in being a parent. You've gotten a college education in that role through experience and through hard work. And that's the first share of the crops is what you learn and grow in it. And I just want to take a second 
for every single person in this room that, that serves in any way in this local body, if you schedule volunteers, if you mow the grass, if you work in our production booth, if you serve in our band, if you make coffee, if you set the communion tables, if you straighten the cards, if you write follow-up notes, if you do graphic design or website, whatever, everything that you do, if you watch kids and hold babies, thank you. Like genuinely, thank you. Your hard work is paying off and God is changing and transforming life. So thank you just from my heart to you. Thank you for what you do. It matters. And what I want to tell you though is in that sometimes when it gets hard or it's frustrating um, or we're going through a difficult season of transition in some shape or form, we don't realize how much God has shaped us as we serve others and as we work hard. And that's the first that's the first fruits of the crop that we receive is the growth that happens in us in that hard work. And some of us, we haven't grown enough because we haven't worked enough. We haven't received those crops because we haven't. And I'm not just talking about in the church. I'm talking about life and business and family. We get that. Um, that that's a part of it. And we can't really give that until we receive that. We can't pass those crops off. And so I just want to thank you and, and tell you what Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good, um, because it will reap a harvest if we don't give up. It'll reap a harvest that, that goes beyond what we can ever see. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to just be patient. Be patient with what God is doing at Fathom Church over the next month. Be patient with what God is doing in your family, in your husband, in your wife. Be, be patient with what God's doing in this season. It, it, it'll pay off. Um, verse 7 he, he gets into Timothy and he's like, hey, God's going to help you understand what all this means for your context. And I want to say the same thing to you that Paul said to Timothy. God's going to help you understand what this means in your context. He's going to help you see that. But the same thing he said to Timothy, just remember Jesus. Remember Christ Jesus. Keep your eye on the prize of Christ. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his hard work. Remember his integrity. Remember his sacrifice. And remember how he empowered others. He led just like this. And he's saying, don't forget to lead like Jesus. The last thing, verse 10 says, Therefore, I endure for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I endure. Great leaders endure. Great leaders endure for the sake of someone else's salvation. Somebody else. We really live our life as American citizens building our kingdom, building our portfolio getting our house perfect so it looks like it fits in the magazine. You know, we, we build our own kingdom and we endure whatever we have to and working overtime and, and everything else that this life might require us. We do all those things. But this challenge that great leaders endure for the sake of someone else's salvation, nothing that we get out of it, nothing that we get out of it. The event that we're putting on next week, our back to school bash, it's not about anything we can get out of it. It's about serving others and that others might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's not based on our perfection, but on the perfection of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And I just want to call you in, in this room to, to sacrifice and to endure whatever you have to endure for the sake of somebody else's salvation. And for every single one of us, it's something different. 
like enduring for you, um, may just mean waking up in time to, to be here because you work the overnight shift. Like in, enduring for others, maybe putting up with um, a, a, a family member who is not supportive of, of their life and, and following Jesus. I don't know what endurance looks like in your life, but I, I know that, that God has called us to be great leaders. And Jesus has set this example for us. God's going to help you understand what this means for your life, but I, I just want you to see this very clearly that you can be strong in the grace of Jesus. This is everything that he pours into Timothy. You can model faithfulness and empower others. You can do that. You, you can see the big picture. You can get out of the civil, you, know, you, you can do that. You can have great integrity and work hard and you can endure what God's asked of us, the, the type of leadership that, that even Paul is saying to Timothy is something that we can live and we can do. And so for whatever insecurities or failures or, or uh, pre-conception um, we have of what we can do and whether we're leaders or follow or, or whatever, there is a specific place for you to walk in this. Within this body as a part of this family and at your business, and in your home, you can lead like this. You can lead your family with this. You can lead your department like this. You can lead your shift like this. You can do that. You can walk with integrity and work hard and endure and know that we're doing it to keep our eyes on the big picture and that God's going to do something more than what we can think or imagine through it. And God's shaping us through this process. And, um, and I want to invite you to stand at this time, and I'm going to pray over you and invite you to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your holy word that, that cuts through our insecurity, that cuts through our excuses, that cuts through our straight-up lies, it cuts through, God, our, our manipulation of Scripture, and it speaks to our heart in a convicting way. And I just pray today, God, that you would help every single one of us to take off the blinders, to lift our head from the civilian affairs, and to just live a life of faithfulness, bringing others along, knowing that we are called to lead and to teach others in whatever way or shape that presents itself. God, we want to be faithful in it. As Christ was faithful, God, would you lead us on to be faithful? God, I thank you for these next few moments we're going to share in which we'll come and break bread and celebrate your death and celebrate your resurrection. And if you're in this room today and you don't have a personal relationship with him, I just want you to know today that you, you can have a relationship with him because, that, no, no, and you've probably got the excuses, no, I can't because this, or I don't understand this, and, and I just want you to know it's not about anything you've done, it's about what Christ did, that he was perfect. And he wasn't a victim, he willingly gave himself, not only while he lived on this earth, but in his death. And that you can come to know this Jesus we're talking about. And if that's you today, I, I, I just want to speak into your heart and, and just tell you it's simple. 
It's not as complicated as you might think. It's believing, admitting that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, believing deeply within your heart um, that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead for your um, salvation, confessing that with your mouth by telling someone today, letting them know, hey, I, I made a decision. And then it's walking out that decision every day of our life. It's just continual process of being discipled and following Jesus. And if that's you today, let somebody know. Make sure you make that confession from your own lips and your own heart in these next few moments. And this table that we come to celebrate, you can open your eyes with me for just a moment. We do this every single weekend. If you're new here, we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper communion. And, uh, and it's a time for us to get back to what it's all about. That's Jesus. And uh, to just make sure that Jesus is always the focal point of everything we do. Um, and this, bo- this bread is representative of his body that was broken for us on the cross. Um, a gruesome picture that we wouldn't want to show our children. Um, but it's, it's the gruesome that, that brought the beauty of his salvation to us. And this, this bread represents that. The cup here represents his blood that was poured out for us. It's broken from a one loaf and poured from one cup that we might be unified in Christ, coming from our different socioeconomic backgrounds, from our different tradition backgrounds, from our different racial backgrounds, and we are united in Christ at the foot of the cross. And I thank God for that. We're one in Christ today, church. And so uh, there's going to be folks at these crosses to pray with you. This band's going to lead us. And I just ask in these next few moments that you'd respond. Like as we've just been talking and and reading this text, God's speaking something to your heart. Just make a confession in your own heart. Worship from your own heart. 